Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there. Craig Hoffman here. And we will be there if there is Tap Sports Bar, MGM National Harbor on Thursday. Yes. I feel like that was smooth enough, Logan. Pulled it off. That was off. pretty good. Yeah. 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 Uh, Tap Sports <laughs> Bar. Uh, Hoffman show starts at 4 o'clock on the team, 980. Logan's going to pop by at some point during that. And then we officially get started with the Take Command pregame show at 630. Uh, it's official because we call it the Take Command pregame show and we'll be simulcast on both the team, 980. And 106.7 The Fan, of course, will be streaming live on YouTube the entire time as well. 4 o'clock, the stream starts on 980, 6.30, it starts on The Fan. So if you can't make it in person on your way to FedEx Field or just to come hang out and watch the game in general at National Harbor, uh, make sure that you are tuned in on the radio or on the YouTube stream, and we will see you there. Uh, as for the defensive performance, uh, this is this is going to be an interesting one, Logan, yeah. because they have given up 30 points in three or four games this season. That is not good. But when you look at this tape, uh, my prediction is that you're going to have a lot of players that played really well yeah. and uh, 17 points at least directly tied to explosive plays given up by one young rookie <laughs> who competed his ass off and got beat a lot. Yeah, and I think that's really what it comes down to. Like, when you look at the first half, I think the defense is playing okay. I think they're playing in the way that Jack wants them to play. They're playing pretty consistent down-to-down. There's a couple of first downs here and there that you're like, man, I wish you could have made that tackle, or I wish that pressure would have got home, or whatever it is. But that's the nature of defense now, is it's it's really hard to consistently outplay the offense. But I thought... In the first half specifically, they did a pretty good job of containing that group, eliminating the effectiveness of the run, and kind of limiting uh, limiting explosive plays down the field. And I forget what the exact score was going before that three points at halftime. It wasn't it seven to. It was seventeen seven. I mean, they give up. So the Washington comes out has this beautiful fourteen play seventy five yard drive for a touchdown. The Eagles respond with their own twelve play seventy five yard touchdown drive, and then Washington scores again, and then it's five plays and out three and out for the Eagles. And then it's really the one big explosive play to Devontae Smith, which is, I think was on a third and eight and, yeah. and Jalen chucks it down there. And Forbes is really honestly in very good position. Yeah. Devontae mosses him. And a couple of plays later, they kick a field goal. Like that's yeah. the first half. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think that's kind of, that, that encapsulates our point really well on those other, on those other drives. They just limited the explosive plays of the, the Philadelphia offense. They did a really good job and said, we don't believe you can consistently drive the length of the field. They did it one time out of three. And then before two minute, before before the half, excuse me, during that two-minute drive, 
they get an explosive play. And we've talked about this at nauseum. We talk about it all the time. But explosive plays lead to points in the NFL, and this and this is a perfect example of that. And it's tough. It's This is an explosive offense. They have explosive playmakers. And it's really hard to contain explosive playmakers for four quarters. And I think you'd like them to – the, the 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 secondary of the of the commanders to be a little bit more consistent but on that play specifically they're in quarters coverage Forbes is in I don't know if he could be in a better position <clears throat> and gets his hand on the football and Devontae if you freeze Smith, the, the ball at the catch point or the the play at the catch point Smith is up full full extension Forbes yeah. has a, an arm between his arms and he doesn't even catch it clean yeah. Like he knocks his arm, he knocks the ball, and the ball kind of just falls back down to Devontae Smith as he comes down. Yeah, and uh, that's tough. And they get paid, they make plays too. And that's not the case with all the explosive plays that we're going to talk about right now. But for sure on that one, I feel if I'm the coach, there might be some technical thing that they want him to do differently, be in better relationships, keep his hips square longer, force him to the side, whatever it may be. But in terms of at the catch point position during the majority of that route, if you're just watching it as a lay person or even a fan of football, you're, you're kind of saying, I don't know what they're exactly coaching him to do, but he can't, he cannot physically be in a better position. I don't think unless he's actually like, I, I don't know. He's really close to the guy. He's probably within a, a foot of the yeah. guy. Yeah. I guess he could step. be one step closer <laughs> yeah. to where he could jump a little bit higher and just cleanly knock the ball away. Like, right. so theoretically, yes, there's a better play to be made, but like, Nine out of ten times, ninety-eight out of a hundred times, if if that you jump at that same point, Devontae Smith is not coming down with that football. Yeah, hundred percent. And and you like you said, it kind of the serendipity of it. He knocks it out, and it falls directly down, kind of into his basket again. He's able to re kind of clutch the catch. So Devontae Smith. So credit to the Eagles on that one. And I think if there's one other point of of, of general criticism you'd kind of levy towards the defense is that the front four which I thought played better in this game than they did against Buffalo, still did not generate a consistent enough pass rush. Like there's times where Hertz is back there, patting the football, really looking down the field. And that is somewhat frustrating. But I also think that's what happens when you go against the best offensive line in football with a quarterback that can scramble. So um, that's something that I, I kind of jumps out to me. I don't think that'll be an issue this week against Chicago. But when you're going up against a really good group, like can you consistently win rushes? And there's a reason that that's the best group in football. And and credit to Chase Young. He got a sack. He got a couple pressures on Jordan Mailata, a guy who, when I did my evaluation of Philly last week, was is, is playing really high-level football. So great job by Chase. But I think that, you know, on the whole, the, the group was relatively quiet. Yeah, um, let's let's double click there and oh, then yeah. we'll circle back to Forbes and the rest of the explosive plays. Um, John Allen has been incredibly quiet and I'm not saying yeah. he's playing bad football, but like the explode, like Deron Payne has made plays. He had the three and out against Denver. Montez right. has had some pressure, some quarterback hits like he shows up a couple times a game. He's obviously had some sacks earlier in the season. He had three in the first two games, uh, hasn't had one since, but he's continued to get uh, occasional pressures. John doesn't feel like he's had any signature plays, any moments this year. Um, I guess he had the one sack of Wilson where he had the spin move and kind of karate chopped him down. Yeah. Um, but like by and large, he has had a what I feel like for him a quiet year. What's going on there? Uh, to and how do they get him back to like his Pro Bowl, All Pro type of level versus just like yeah, he's playing well. Yeah, I think 
that's something that maybe we should do like a more long-term project on where I can watch all of his rushes okay. and all of his snaps specifically. Cause you're just watching in these games, you're watching, you know, kind of the whole defense. You're trying to figure out exactly what's going on for the pulse of the game. So if that's something you want to do, I, I don't have a problem watching. Yeah, let's do it. And figure it out. Okay. So let's do that. But it, it just, what I would say is when you're, wor- when you're working with new people earlier in the year, that can be very, um, that that could be that could be a hindrance. And when I watched the Bills game, I remember specifically thinking he's still figuring out how to work with Chase more consistently. And I think when John has the green light, you that green light is very powerful for a player. And I don't want to speak for John. I'm just speaking from guys that I've other guys that I've talked to, like JJ Watt, for example, when I was in Houston. And he could just basically do whatever he wanted. And every rush opportunity, the defense was constructed around him getting a pressure, getting a sack. And so when Casey Twohill's in there, when James Smith Williams in there, when FA Obata's in there, they are there to support John. And now it's more of a 50-50 split in terms of John supporting Chase and Chase supporting John. And I do think one of the things I would say about Chase is Chase is going for it every single time. And so that forces John to kind of come back a little bit. And, and again, that was in the Bills game. I have to watch him more specifically in the Philadelphia game and some of the early games this season to kind of make that a definitive point. But that's something I would say that is affecting him is in terms of his efficiency is he no longer is like the go, go, go guy. He's, he's now working um, yeah. in conjunction with other people on the defensive line. All right. Uh, so we'll obviously come circle back to that. Uh, or John's going to have 85 tackles on Thursday night against yeah, Justin Fields and company. And uh, then, then the project is, is a little more fun. Cause it's like, what did John <laughs> Allen figure out uh, between Sunday and Thursday to become so effective? Uh, all right, let's go back to Forbes. Because at the end of the day, like 17 points are basically directly and not fully directly, but like pretty directly on him. The the three that we just talked about uh, to get them in field goal range at the end of the first half. Not much you can do there. Uh, You got Moss. It happens to everybody uh, by Devontae Smith. Then you've got the bubble situation, the fake bubble or the fake screen where he jumps up on it uh, and, you know, Derek Forrest misses a tackle. That's actually, I've been probably a little harder on Forrest than I should have on that. That's a tough play to come back and he's sprinting from the the opposite hash and trying to tackle a big strong man in AJ Brown. His job is to do it, but he missed. Um, And then, you know, the pursuit is not good either to let AJ Brown score on that, but it starts with Forbes doing some stuff that he's not supposed to. Yeah, and I don't know the rules. I don't know what they're being coached to do, but basically it's 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 a kind of a tight bunch. They short motion a receiver outside. They have AJ Brown act like he's gonna block the guy that's now bumped with with um with the motion, who I, I don't know who it is, maybe St. Juice. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> excuse me. And I don't and so to me, when I look at that, the guy who's supposed to make the play on the bubble is St. Juice because that's his man. You feel the blocker coming, you go attack the football. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. When AJ Brown goes to block St. Juiced, um, Forbes is is kind of in between. You can see he's looking at the at the bubble and kind of starts moving up towards the bubble. And I don't know again, we don't know his techniques, but I'm saying if you're in true man-to-man coverage, 
and that and your man your man is AJ Brown, I would expect you to be a little bit more focused on him in that in that situation. But obviously, you're trying to make a play on the bubble, you're trying to do all these different things. I get it, but that would be my one question if I could ask Ron or ask Jack or ask you know Coach Rock, the guy who coaches the DBs. What like what's what are his rules here, and is he doing what you want him to do? Because I think physically, obviously, like when you run a double move, like he stops his feet, AJ Brown runs by him, and he's he's athletic. He does a good job of kind of getting approximately back in phase. I think he's about eight eight ten yards away. But that's the whole point of running that double move is to take advantage of an aggressive player. Great throw by Jalen, really great throw by Jalen Hurts, and obviously AJ Brown does the rest. So. In terms of things that I think are really interesting, you know, what are Forbes's rules exactly? Because Ron in his post-game presser was pretty adamant that they need him to play the techniques that they want him to play. And is that on this play? Is that on the catch to Devontae Smith? Or is that just more general? So uh, that would be something, again, that this week as Ron does his pressers and things like that, kind of get a better feel for, for what exactly they mean by that. Yeah, and then there's another play uh... – We'll get to the double move on the touchdown at the end in a second. But like, I, I think when Ron is talking about the technique stuff, um, there's the big play and cover two. Cam does a really nice job coming over uh, right. late and and hitting Brown without picking up a penalty. It's like, oh, look, safeties across the league. It can be done. You don't have to concuss a guy uh, as you come over and play physical and try to knock the ball out. Um, so Cam does a good job of avoiding a penalty. Unfortunately, he's not there in time to get the ball out, though. Um, but it's in part because it's a pretty free release up the sideline for AJ Brown. And that's one where if you watch Kendall Fuller on the other side of the field, you see uh, what, what I would assume is how it's supposed to be done from a technique <laughs> standpoint uh, compared to what, what Emmanuel Forbes is. I'll let you describe it in more detail. Yeah. And so obviously we got to give a shout out to our guy, John Kime, because he's the guy that is always kind of pointing this stuff what's, out. What's the take Command podcast without a shout out to John. We got to give John Kime a shout out. Um, so Fuller, is doing in this cover two. So cover two, think of cover two. It's like you got your two safeties, like your Madden circles, and then you've got your flat players who are your corners. The problem is people don't run straight cover two like that anymore. They run what I would call, or this team runs many versions of cover two. This looks like cover two carry. So cover two carry is essentially cover two, but the corner, the flat player, <clears throat> is going to get hands on and then carry that vertical to a certain depth to try and eliminate the whole shot. So when you look at Fuller do this, he does a really good job on Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith tries to outside release. Fuller's shoulders are completely square to the line of scrimmage. He's widening him almost till he's out of bounds. Then when Devontae Smith goes vertical, Fuller opens his hips to the quarterback and gets depth with him as he goes. So he never is really out of phase with Devontae Smith at any point during the route. And if and if if Hertz were to throw the ball to his side, I think Fuller could easily make a play on the football. And it gives the safety time and distance to come over and make this time mostly to cover the distance to make the play. So that's Fuller doing it. When you look at Forbes, he does get hands-on, but it's a very different way of doing it. So one of the things, he's not square, right? He opens himself up, puts his right hand on him, pushes him to the sideline. But when he's not square, he can't kind of powerfully slide him to the sideline, right? So A.J. Brown's a big, strong guy says, get that hand off of me, takes off of the sideline. And when you look at the relationship between Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, A.J. Brown is probably six yards, would you say, Craig, seven yards deeper in the route, potentially. And Forbes, who is very fast, is running in phase. But I'm saying if you are more physical in that cover two catch technique, you widen him, 
then open your hips to the quarterback, and then get depth. I don't think there's any possible way that Hurts can make that throw. I really don't. I, I mean, that's just no, my thought. 100%. I mean, Forbes does a good job of getting back in the play and making Jalen make a good throw. But he's Jalen Hurts. Like, that's yeah. what he does. He, like right. that. Those downfield throws with accuracy is something that Jalen is exceptional at. Now, occasionally, like, will he throw it when there's coverage there and will it get picked? Yeah, unfortunately for the commanders, not in this game in terms of the, the interceptions. But, like, he's going to put it where the ball is supposed to be on the landmark. And because, like, like you said, it's as much as anything, the time. Like, yeah. it, you know, we talk about Cam being able to come over and deliver a good hit. What if that route takes one second longer? That's a pick. Like, that's how yeah. that stuff happens. And so there's a timing element to all of this as well on top of just making the throw unavailable because you do widen it out and you're underneath it. And maybe, look, like, you want to create a turnover. That Maybe that is a throw that Jalen makes because it's pretty clear that A.J. Brown and, and Emmanuel Forbes were talking the entire game. Like, he's like, keep feeding me. This rookie doesn't have anything on me type of stuff. And maybe Jalen throws it up there and Forbes gets a pick or Cam comes over and gets a pick. Um but you don't give yourself a chance at that because you don't play the technique properly. You don't widen it out. You're not close enough and you don't give your safety time to get over. So to me, as much as any play, that is an embodiment of Ron's comments where he, it's not just playing the technique. It's playing the technique the way we're teaching it. And like, yes, is there something to Emmanuel Forbes being Emmanuel Forbes? Yes. Um, you drafted him because he plays a certain way and he, that way generates turnovers. And, you know, he's the NCAA's all-time leader in pick sixes. That's why you love him. But these are professional coaches who are doing stuff for a reason within the context of a scheme, and you gotta you gotta at least meet them halfway and, and play the the technique the way that they're coaching it because it works in conjunction with the rest of the defense, not just you doing your thing. Like you don't want to lose the personality of the player, but the that can be uh, buttressed by by better technique. Right, but I think in this one, like the technique probably increases the likelihood of him making that explosive play. Like we. Totally. I, I think when you're talking about the composition of the player, you look at that bubble screen, you say that's that you're attacking an aggressive football player, a guy who wants to get his hands on the football. In a man situation, you you show him this fake bubble and he gets a little bit nosy. That to me is who Forbes is. And again, we don't know the exact technique there. Maybe you should get hands on AJ Brown. Maybe you should do a bunch of stuff. I don't know. But this in this situation, I think the technique would have elevated his opportunity to be Emmanuel Forbes because he's in better relationship to the quarterback. Uh, to, to the receiver, excuse me, and and potentially could make a play on the football. So I think that's one, <clears throat> and I think I think that's probably the one. Like you said, that's the one Ron's talking about with technique. And you know, maybe on the bubble screen, he should get hands on AJ Brown earlier, try to slow him down, whatever. Mm -hmm. Playing like when you talk to Fred Smoot about playing DB, you realize there's a lot of nuance to the position that I think we all assume there is, but there's even it's even more heightened in terms of right. How it's also, you there. become more enlightened when you understand what the nuance is, right? Correct, it's yeah. one thing to understand. There's like, there's things I don't know. Cool. It's like, <laughs> well, now that you know them, you realize like, Oh my God, that's really complicated. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, or, you know, Hey, the NFL is really fast. Then, you know, you know, that as a player coming out of college and you get out there and you're like, Oh, this is what fast <laughs> yeah. is. You know, the, the, you don't know what you don't know type of thing. I think is a big thing uh, with DBs. Um, look, we talked about this a little bit in the post game. My attitude on this hasn't changed on the last one. I have no problem with the way Emmanuel Forbes played the double move because the Eagles did something dumb and they got away with it kind of yeah. because, you know, if Ron goes for two and they get it, or if the commanders score in, in overtime, uh, that costs the Eagles the game. And in a situation where uh, you need a turnover, like for the, the other side of, of that coin where the Eagles are doing something dumb is 
the commanders need a turnover to get the ball back yeah. unless the Eagles do something dumb, like score way too fast. And so if, if they're going to be silly enough to throw it and think they can sneak a first down and, and then be able to milk the clock down for a field goal and you're Emmanuel Forbes and you're like, I'm going to jump this and I'm going to make the play of the game. I got no problem with it. Um, yeah, and the fact they're even throwing the ball there in any capacity crazy. is surprising. I mean, I, not that they're throwing the ball in any capacity, but I think it was like third and short or second and short. It's it's like you have an opportunity to like run the run the clock out here and be mm-hmm. and totally control the game. So I agree that on that one. I know they have a way that they play double moves, and you see it earlier with Kendall Fuller. I think he gets a pi on it, but it's it's really and so maybe Ron is talking about this also with with regards to technique, but on that. On the comeback and go, they ran it to Fuller's side earlier in the game. And Fuller does a great job of he he moves to break on the comeback. But as the receiver is running by, he turns with him and kind of widens him to the sideline a little bit. And you get the obviously that's illegal contact. But that, I think, is the technique that they're looking for to prevent this explosive play down the field. And, we, you know, it's so funny when you watch when I watch Fuller do it. I'm, I'm like, that is technically by by letter of the law penalty. But it's like one of those ones where if they didn't call it, you totally understand why they didn't call it also. And I think if you're employing that technique in that situation on the double move, I think you're you're gonna you are gonna be more consistently in a more effective position to make a play if you're the corner if you're the corner. Now, in the context of this game, you don't want them to do that because you don't want a DPI and you you want to make sure that the offense gets the ball back. I don't think he's thinking about that. We're just talking about like the technique on a down to down basis, but um, I agree. You want him to be aggressive there. Maybe they're not. He's not doing exactly what you want him to do with regards to the technique. But it, it ultimately, even though it's a bad play, ends up helping the team out. So, yeah. <laughs>